Back at it here on BetQL Daily. Joe and Aaron and taking a well-deserved vacay post-NFL, post-Super Bowl. With us today is Mark Drumheller. I'm Jim Rodriguez. Happy you're along with us on this President's Day. Hope it's going well for you. And now we are going to be joined right here on BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, one of the hardest working men in the business. He hosts Send It In on this very network, also Sunday bets, and will be on BetMGM tonight. It's all PJ all the time. It's PJ Glasser. What's up, my brother? How are you? Uh, what's up, J-Rod? Mark, good to talk to you guys. How you doing? Doing well, my friend. Doing well. Hope you are well as well. Uh, I guess what you know, you are all things betting to me. I, I you're you're the I, I get on your X account, PJ Glasser nine, and you had it. You said always bet on a team who fires their head coach. You said that about Ohio State, and bam, they delivered. But at the same time, as much credit as I want to give you, it's still Purdue, man. Are we officially off the Purdue wagon? Have we ever been on them? How much more can we fade Purdue this year, my brother? Yeah, Jared, I have a saying that I don't with Purdue, and uh, that's not changing anytime <laughs> soon. So I can't, I can't trust that team in March, man. I know the metrics love them; they've loved them the last couple of years. They probably have the best player in the sport, certainly the most dominating in Zach Eady. But those guards are still a concern for me, you know. And they're still sophomores: Fletcher Lawyer, Braden Smith. They're not really NBA players. Um, I mean, their offense is really good. And before that game against Ohio State yesterday, they were the number one overall seed heading into the tournament. Even with how dominant UConn has been, even the fact that they're the defending champions, they won 13 straight games. They just beat the number four team in the country, Marquette, by 30. Purdue wins that game yesterday, fellas. They're still the number one overall seed. That's because of the resume that they have in the non-conference. I just, you know, Mark and I were talking about this last week. Until you can prove to me that you can make it to the final four, let alone win a national championship. I just, I can't bet on you, especially with how short the odds are for Purdue, all the expectations that are going to be on them. They're going to draw all these comparisons to Virginia as the only two teams to lose the 16 season. And we know Virginia the following year won the national title. I didn't bet on Virginia that year because up until then, Tony Bennett didn't have much success in the tournament. They had a lot go their way. So I'm not going to have anything invested in Purdue. If they go on to make it to the Final Four and win the national championship, then you know what, so be it. But I, I can't back this team, fellas, not until they prove me they can win in March. BJ, I'm going to jump in one more real quick. How does this happen? Is it coaching? Is it is it is it preparation? I mean, I mean, we're not insiders. I get it. I mean, we're not sitting there in West Lafayette watching practices and watching them go to work every day. But how does this happen? I think for Purdue specifically, you know, in this era in college basketball, I just don't think it's a good formula to build your team, your best player being a dominant big man unless it's like an Anthony Davis or like a Jaleel Okafor unless we're talking about like a top three NBA player you know if you're consistently building your teams and your best player is your big man usually that doesn't work out for you now he did have Jaden Ivey for those couple years and those are probably the years where Purdue had their best chance remember that team you had with Carson Edwards that was his best chance to get to a final four when he had a shot making point guard who was great from three-point range but these iterations of these Purdue teams, you know, who's the big men that he's had through the past, whether it's been Edie or Isaac Haas or Isaac Hammond, whatever it's been, 
They just, uh, you know, I just don't think it's a good formula for a team in March because it's all about guard play. Obviously, big men are susceptible to getting in foul trouble. And, you know, if Edie's in foul trouble, guys, like Purdue is in big-time trouble. So, for them specifically, I just think Pater built his team for the Big Ten for the regular season. That's where they're so good. But in March, you better have guard play. And Purdue just they haven't had guard play as good as some of the other teams throughout the years. PJ, typically I don't like to take teams at 5-1 to one to win the whole thing this time of the season. I like to let a little bit more of the season play out. But it does feel like UConn is in it, their own separate tier. It's UConn and then everybody else obliterated Marquette in a game that I thought Marquette was very live to win in. Uh, couldn't have been more wrong. Give me your thoughts on just UConn and do you think it's okay to bet them even though the number's so short at 5-1? to one? And, you know, how you see them, uh, you know, playing consistently for the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, I can still see why you would like it at plus 500, guys. They're going to be favorites to every team that they play in the tournament until they get to the Final Four, right? I mean, once they get matched up against, like, a potential Purdue, Arizona, Houston, maybe then the games will be close to a pick, or maybe they'll be a slight underdog to one of those teams, maybe a Houston but until then, I mean, they're going to be big favorites. So getting them at a plus 500, I think is still good value. And like you said, Mark, I mean, they're just creating separation between them and everybody else. Guys, Marquette was number four in the country. They were playing as good as anybody. Tyler Kolick, their point guard, was playing as good as anybody. They came in there with a ton of confidence. And the game was close for maybe the first 10, 12 minutes of action. And then UConn just kind of broke it open. They're so tough to defend. They got five guys. It's scoring double figures. Cam Spencer, Tristan Newton, both average 15 a game. Caravan averages 14.6. Donovan Klingon, who's their best NBA prospect, averages 12 a game. I mean, they're just so deep. They defend. They rebound. They shoot three. Um, they're as good as last year's team was. You know, they don't have maybe the NBA firepower that last year's team does, but this team really fits Danny Hurley's MO of toughness and defense and you know, they got a little arrogance to them. They kind of thrive off being the team that everybody wants to knock off. So they're really, really good guys. I, I mean, certainly they're the best team right now. They're the team that has the least amount of questions. And even though it's a short price and it keeps dropping and you might feel like you're getting the worst of the number, I, this number might continue to drop, guys, because I don't know if UConn's going to lose uh, a game in Big East play the rest of the season. Yeah, UConn five to one right now at BetMGM. Talking to PJ Glassery, of course he hosts Send It In and Sunday Bets right here on the BetQL Network. And you can see him tonight on BetMGM tonight. So okay, we know there's UConn and everyone else, and we're not betting on Purdue. They're the second favorite at plus six fifty. Anybody else that if you weren't, if I told you you couldn't bet on UConn and you won't bet on Purdue, anybody else that you would put some money on, PJ? It's a good question, J-Rob, because there are a lot of teams that I think have Final Four potential, but there are very few that I think could win a national championship. At the end of the day, I still I still think Houston is probably the best of the other teams. The difference between them and every other team in the country defensively, there's just such a gap. They're so good on that side of the floor. The big question I have for Houston, guys, is when they play games in the tournament where they're going to have to win in the 80s, 85, 90, can they win those kind of games? Can they outscore teams 
or are they going to consistently have to rely on their defense? Because that's what's hurting them the last couple years. You know, they lost to Miami last year, and Miami scored 86, 87 on them. So as good as Houston is in the tournament, when you get in those one-and-done environments, when you play on neutral floors, you're going to have to score. And that's still my question with Houston. I think after UConn, though, and I still think Purdue's one of the better teams, I think it's probably Houston. The team I'd watch out for that I continue to like is Tennessee. And that's another team, much like Matt Painter and Purdue, you can't trust them in the tournament. Rick Barnes in Tennessee is another one of those teams. What I like about them, though, this year, guys, is that they can score. Five of their last six games, they've scored 80 or more points. And we're not used to that with Tennessee. We know they can defend. They're top five defensively, according to Ken Palm. But they score this year. And they got a bona fide score in Dalton Connect. So if the other guys for Tennessee can consistently score, they played a tough non-conference schedule. You know, they played North Carolina. They played Marquette. They played Kansas. Played a bunch of good teams. Their SEC schedule's not been easy. They're going to have to play Bama twice, play Kentucky twice. They're battle-tested, still very good defensively. But this year, it just feels a little bit differently offensively. Like, that's how I kind of want to feel about Houston. I want to watch them play and see the consistent scoring numbers from them. I'm not seeing it from them like I am from Tennessee. So, UConn's clearly the favorite. I think it's Purdue-Houston after that, but... Tennessee would be that next team that uh, I would watch for because they're they're scoring the ball this year and they haven't been been doing that the last couple of years under Rick Barnes. Pete, let's look to tonight and make some money. Uh, Big Twelve's been tough to get a beat on, tough to get our arms around um, for betters. Uh, Texas laying eight and a half points tonight against Kansas State. What are your thoughts on that matchup? Yeah, guys, I'm laying it with Texas eight and a half, and I think it looks like a big spread, but I just think this is a brutal spot for K-State. They're coming off a game over the weekend against TCU, which was one of those bubble kind of games that they really needed to win. Jameer Nelson Jr. for TCU hit the three-pointer at the buzzer. So that was a heartbreaking loss for K-State. Now they got the quick turnaround. They got to travel to Austin and play a Texas team that just got blown out by Houston. But everybody gets blown out by Houston when the game is at Houston. So I like Texas tonight. I think it's a good bounce-back spot for them, a good spot to fade Kansas State. I know it's a big number. The Big 12 is a really good league. But uh, I would lay it with the Longhorns tonight. I, uh, I think they win this game by double digits. PJ, let's move over to the ACC. Now, I, maybe maybe, maybe I, I mixed up my medications over the weekend, but I got Virginia winning the ACC regular season title at 11-1, to 1, just because I don't really believe in North Carolina. I don't believe in Duke. They're at Virginia Tech tonight, and Tony Bennett's guys are three-and-a-half-point dogs on the road. You like Virginia getting three-and-a-half? Am I nuts now for taking Virginia to win the ACC? I got them at 11-1 to 1 over the weekend. Now it's 9-1. to 1. Yeah, a spread like this, well, certainly, J-Rod, if, you, if you're going to need them to win the ACC, they're definitely going to have to win this game because they're a game back at Carolina, half game back at Duke. Teams like Virginia in this spot, obviously a big trend for people that have been betting college basketball that have been following it is these unranked teams at home going up against these ranked teams, especially on these Monday kind of games. We saw with Texas Tech last Monday against Kansas, another one of these spots, unranked home team favored against a ranked team, blew Kansas out by 20. It's just tough with a team like Virginia who plays in so many low-scoring games 
And this is obviously a rivalry game. These teams know each other well. The total's only 126.5 tonight. I mean, the number is telling you to bet Virginia Tech, but guys in a Virginia game, like, I want any kind of number that I can get, right? I mean, just look at Saturday when they played against Wake Forest. The line in that game was 2.5. Virginia wins that game by 2. They went 1 for 11 from the free throw line. It's one of the toughest beats I've seen all season. So whenever we're talking about a Virginia game and whenever we're talking about, you know, how low scoring their games are going to be, I mean, Virginia Tech's probably the right side. I think I would just take them on the money line, though, at minus 175. I'm always worried about anything over a possession when we're dealing with Virginia, just because obviously possessions are going to be at a minimum whenever you're going against the Cavaliers. So I do think Virginia Tech wins the game tonight. I just take them on the money line, minus 175, maybe throw it in a parlay with another one of your picks. Parlay's not a bad idea. I, I like that. I also might bet Virginia live if Vatek starts off hot, you know, get a bigger number there. But definitely like that one. Um, PJ, I know you're a big Iowa State guy. Big matchup for them. You have to pay the extra nickel to get the nine and a half. Looks like they're taking a little bit of money at BetMGM. What are your thoughts on Iowa State-Houston tonight? Well, this certainly is going to be the test. Yeah, Mark, I have, uh, I've been all over Iowa State. I really like them. I think they're a good sleeper team. Both of these teams are tied atop the Big 12 at 9-3. and three. Houston, just not only do they not lose at home, guys, but usually the games aren't even close. They just blow out everybody. Last time these two teams played, it was 57-53 to 53 in Ames. So the total's 127.5 for a reason. You're talking about the number one defensive team in the country and the number three defensive team. I kind of like the under again. I think this is going to be another game that's maybe in the high 50s, mid 50s, something like that. And again, a game that's so low scoring, I just don't know if I want to lay the nine and a half. I think people are going to look at a top 10 matchup. They're going to see Houston's favored by essentially double digits, and they're probably going to lean towards Iowa State. Mark, as you mentioned, they're taking some money. I think I would just take the under, though, guys. I mean, with these two defenses, Again, it was 57-53 the last time they met. I think it's going to be something right around then again. With all that's on the line, too, first place in the Big 12 on the line, I think it's going to be a great atmosphere, great intensity tonight. I'll take the under, 127.5 in Houston, Iowa State. BJ, I can't let you get out of here with a talk on a little bit of golf. we got 45 seconds. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama, tell me you had him at 90-1 to over the, over the weekend at, at the Genesis. <laughs> oh, J-Rod, I wish I did. I can promise you if I had him, he wouldn't have played like he did on that back nine, that's for sure. No Matsuyama for me. Uh, I had Will Zalatoris. I took him live, so that was uh, that was unfortunate. Did you have uh, Did you have Matsuyama, J-Rod? No, I did, I did not. I had Hideki Matsui, but unfortunately he was not playing uh, in, in, in that one, unfortunately, for me. So uh, I, I, had, I had the wrong guy. But uh, no, definitely, PJ, by the way, going to Mexico this weekend. PJ Glasser, send it in, Sunday bets, and of course you can catch him tonight on BetMGM tonight. Still to come, we got some hockey. NHL had a better weekend than the NBA. Tell me I'm wrong. 80,000 over at MetLife for a hockey game, 70,000 for another one. We'll get into that next on BetQL Daily. Home stretch here on BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Joe and Aaron are enjoying their post Super Bowl vacations with Mark Drumheller. I'm Jim Rodriguez. Thanks for hanging out with us today on this President's Day Monday. 
been a good show, man. Go back to the Odyssey app, hit that rewind function and catch up on all the things that we've talked about. Of course, our daily podcast will be out later today. You can, of course, hit us up on the YouTube channel of the Odyssey Network, as well as our Twitch channel. Lots of places to get all your wager entertainment uh, today and the rest of the week. Mark and I will be here tomorrow, so 9 to noon Eastern. We'll have some fun, Mark. Now let's talk a little pucks. Now listen, I would argue, Mark, that the NHL had a better weekend than the NBA. I mean, 70,000 over at MetLife Stadium on Saturday for the Flyers and the Devils, 80,000 at MetLife Stadium on Sunday for the Rangers and the Islanders. And now let's bring in an NHL analyst for the Action Network. It's Michael LeBoff. You can find him by the way, already is, this guy's this guy's a favorite in my book. Uh, over on his ex uh, account, the Big Lebowski. Uh, let's bring him in, Michael. How are you, my friend? I'm doing pretty pretty well. Uh, I'm an Islander fan, so I actually did not uh, enjoy the Stadium Series uh, this weekend at all. <laughs> so, well, I was thinking the the global community, the hockey, the global hockey community. Uh, it, it was amazing. Now, now the first. The first thing that I noticed, what I thought was awesome, was the fact that how the Flyers and the Devils on Saturday kind of got into character at the stadium arrival. The Flyers were wearing their their rocky gray sweatpants and sweatshirt with the white towel, and and then the the Devils came in wearing their their Tony Soprano uh, track suits and stuff. It had to be a great weekend for the NHL as a whole, though. I mean, talk about some eyeballs and and, and f- filling up MetLife Stadium. That must have been amazing for the league. Yeah, yeah, the uh they uh they did a a pretty good job. You know, sometimes these um these outdoor games can lose their luster a bit and um but but this weekend I thought yeah, it's as good as the NHL uh could hope for. I'm just unfortunate that uh the Islanders <laughs> had to spoil it for me. So I'm 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 doing my best to conjure up some some enthusiasm about it, but uh it, that was a that was a tough loss last night. Yeah, it was. Second with the uh, stadium series, Mike, I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, me personally, I bet both overs yesterday. There were a ton of goals. Is that something that we typically see in these stadium series games? And and what makes it unique and how can betters attack these games in the future? Yeah, I think um, what ended up happening was people automatically assumed these games would go under. Um, because the first few winter mm-hmm. classics were um, kind of cagey. Um, but a lot of that was just that they couldn't really figure out the, the ice. Like they just, it took a while for the NHL to get the ice, the formula for for the ice uh, down. And one thing that has become apparent in, um, in these outdoor games is it, it's really tough on the goaltenders last night. Uh, especially like it, it was a four o'clock start. It was supposed to be three, but the sun was still out, which I thought was pretty funny that the NHL was like, oh, we got to delay the game because the sun is still out. But um, <laughs> that that throws the goalies off a bit. And it's not just, you know, seeing the pocket stopping it, but the, you know, being able to pick it up early enough to know where you're putting a rebound and, and that uh, those kind of intricacies of the position. So uh, goaltenders have a tough time with these outdoor games. And I think that's led to, um a scoring increase in, in them. Um, so uh, it'll be interesting, I guess, next next year. I think there's uh, the Winter Classic is back in Chicago, and then there's one outdoor game at um, the Horseshoe in, uh, in Col- for Columbus and 
Detroit. So we'll see where those totals uh, end up. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if if, if uh, what you were alluding to ends up being the kind of pattern from from betters. Michael, before we get into tonight's card, and by the way, it's a great opportunity for the NHL. Basically, no NBA. Uh, you know, they have the whole week to themselves, most of the week to themselves. Um, the, I'm down in Miami, and the Florida Panthers have just been remarkable. Obviously, coming off their run to the Stanley Cup Finals last year, they have been road warriors, went up to Tampa, sent a message there. They are now atop the East, 8-1, to one, tied with Edmonton uh, as favorites to win the Stanley Cup. They're the favorites to win the East. Handicap the Panthers for me. Is that the play there in the East? Yeah, they're... Um... They're a special group. I think, uh, you know, we, we talked a lot about uh, the Panthers back in um, December on, on our NHL podcast line change at the Action Network saying that we could we could see this team really starting to round into form. Um, and they weren't healthy yet. And what ended up happening was they, right as we were talking about that, they got their bodies back in the lineup, Aaron Ekblad and, and Brandon Montour. And, and, and they started to, to skid a bit, like four or five and one, I think in a, in their first 10 games or so. And, um, you know, that's when we said, all right, this, this, that was more poor luck than anything else in a, in a tough schedule. Um, and it ended up you know, being the, the correct take because this team is there. Not only are they just doing really well right now, but this is a team that um, is built to withstand the rigors of uh, the NHL playoffs. They showed it last year. So, that's not a really bold take, but they're deep up front. The blue line has been per, like just put together brilliantly um, considering the cap space that they had uh, and the goalies have been great. So this is a team that they're, they're one of the, uh, the truly, you know, uh, I would say a true contender um, right now. So I, I don't think that eight to one is, is the best price that uh, you could have had, but if, if you're a Panthers fan, you want to be a part of the party. I think that they, they deserve to be one of the favorites and, and they're definitely to me, the favorite in the East. So they should be a clear favorite. I think uh, in the Eastern conference right now, especially because I don't think their, their path, if they win that division will be particularly tough to get through uh, the first couple of rounds. Mike, a part of the landscape of the NHL futures market right now that catches my eye is the Pacific Division, right? So we look at it, the Canucks, obviously a great story this year, minus 300 to win that division. But then below it, you have Edmonton, who's tied with Florida as favorites to, you know, to win the whole thing. And then you have, you know, Vegas, at what I think is might be a pretty valuable number at 9-1. to one. They won the Stanley Cup last year. Talk to me a little bit about that division, how you see it playing out. Can either of those teams – at those plus money prices really catch Vancouver here down the stretch. Uh, it'll be, it'll be tough, right? That that's a pretty big gap, 12 points with, uh, you know, just about a third of the season to go. But the thing I'll say about Vancouver's is the hockey world has kind of just been waiting for them to uh, regress a little bit. Cause they are, they're finishing uh, their scoring chances at a, at a pretty, um, high rate and, and sometimes that stuff just stays up they do they do have uh some some elite playmakers and finishers on that team so it shouldn't be that surprising that their their shooting percentage is as high as it is but at the same time um you know that's that's something that always causes some skepticism among um hockey betters and modelers so uh, i i mean i would chase the price if if you were to ask me you know if, if i wanted to lay it with vancouver at, at minus 300 or or play uh you know, one of Vegas or, or Edmonton. I, I think that there's a little bit of room for Edmonton to wiggle their way into it. 
um, considering they've got you know, five games at hand, but still 15 points uh, is, is such a massive number to make up that I want to say it's like an, uh, an appealing want to run to, to make the bet kind of bet. But um, if I had to choose between the two, I would definitely take uh, one of the, uh, one of the chasers rather than lay it with Vancouver. Yeah, and the and the central of the West is an interesting run as well. I mean, Dallas atop the heap there, seventy five points, three ahead of Colorado and four ahead of Winnipeg. Last week we we talked a little hockey on the show, and people were telling me to to keep an eye on Dallas as a future, both out of the West and for the Stanley Cup. Tell us about Dallas. Is, is, is are there something? Is there somebody you're looking at possibly uh, to make a deep run? Yeah, I think the Stars, and, and the nice thing about the Stars is you can probably wait a little while still. Like I'd, Because of Edmonton and, and the attention that they're going to get, and because of Vegas being the uh, defending champ and Florida's run uh, right now, like the, the Stars are still flying under the radar a bit here despite having a really good uh, start to the second half. And um, they just aren't really a high-profile team to begin with. Like most, most folks will just – default to Colorado um, in in this race rather than Dallas, which, you know, to me, it's that the Stars' depth really uh, and their goaltending kind of sets them apart from Colorado. I think Colorado is a, is a bear and, and a really tough team to deal with because of uh, their star power, but um, the Stars can beat you by rolling four lines, and, and they're scoring at a at the best clip in the league right now. So it's, it's the type of number that I think is going to hang around despite i mean unless dallas just gets scorching hot like the panthers have so i i think you probably have um you, you probably have some you could be patient and just see how this shakes out with dallas maybe get a clear idea of what their path is going to look like but yeah they are they're legitimate too i i i would say right now like the panthers in the east and between the stars and oilers for me uh in the west right now uh if i had to pick a favorite there of course there's you know still a plenty of runway left but uh, if, if if you were to, to end the season today, those would be the three teams I would consider the the kind of first tier uh, of the bunch. Let's head over to the Metro. Uh, me being a Flyers fan, you being an Islanders fan, we can probably find common ground. We do not want to see the Rangers win this division, right? Is there any value on Carolina? Tell me what your thoughts are on them. Yeah, so if I actually – I'm glad you brought it up. This is something I've been saying for about the Hurricanes for a couple of weeks now. If, if you're going to bet Carolina to win the division, I would also just take a stab on them to to win the President's Trophy uh, to have the most points by the time the, the regular season ends. Because if they are to catch the Rangers, they're, they're six points back, which is obviously not an insurmountable gap, but um, it's still plenty of work to do. Uh, if, if they do that, it means that they're going to put a little bit of pressure on um, you know, the Vancouver's and Florida's of the world uh, at the top of the entire standing. So um, I, I don't hate Carolina. Uh, I know that they're, you know, about plus 150 to win the division right now. I'd rather just take the bigger number on them uh, to, to really just get scorching hot and, and win the president's trophy uh, and finish with the best record in the league by uh, the season's end. Makes sense. Talk, talk to me about, uh, Mike, talk to me about some some awards. Obviously, Connor Bedard is is the favorite for Rookie of the Year coming back from injury. Is there any path where you see anyone else, or has he done enough? Because I guess what I'm saying is, at some point, when do the Blackhawks pull the plug on this and say, listen, you know, he's coming off an injury. 
we want him long-term. Has he done enough to be the rookie of the year, or is there a path for somebody else? I think if, if he doesn't finish uh, the season, like if he misses more than, you know, five more games, uh, there's probably a path for a player like Brock Faber to win the award. But I think the Hawks will let him play out the entire season so long as uh, he uh, he avoids another injury. And, and it's not the kind of, kind of thing – that injury wasn't the kind of – uh, ordeal where you'd worry about like him re-injuring it unless he gets hit in the head again, which, you know, that's just part mm-hmm. of the game. But um, so I'm not too worried about that. The, the awards races were, they were interesting for about, you know, two or three months. And, and I thought we were going to have a, a real um, kind of wide open race for every award. But since then the, uh, the cream's really risen to the top. I think you can still find some value in the, the Vezina race to be the, the best goalie in the league. Um, Jacob Markstrom of Calgary has, has had a really strong season, but the team hasn't gone that well. If, if they can somehow fight their way into the playoffs or if he gets traded, uh, I can see him being a little bit of value uh, at, at his current price. He, he, last week he was around 35 to one. Those numbers are varying all over the place, but uh, he, he'd be interesting to me. And Stuart Skinner's a really long number for Edmonton. Um, if, if they just stay on this role and, and he continues to, to play as well as he has for them since uh, since the holidays, he could start to get some attention. You would need Connor Hellebuck and and Thatcher Demko to, to slow down considerably, but um, on on the awards boards, like that's really it. I mean, I I think people will start to talk about Austin Matthews to win the heart um, if he gets to seventy goals, but uh, he's seven to one now. That that price has taken a a dip, and the way that uh, Kucherov for the Lightning and, and McKinnon are going for the Avalanche, it's it's just not long enough for me. So, um, you know, the, the, the Vezina race would be the only one I think that has some uh, decent value left in it. All right, really quick, Mike, we got about 60 seconds to go. Any plays on the board tonight that you like? Uh, yeah, I like the Ducks today at 1230 uh, against the Sabres. Uh, they're plus 170. I just don't think Buffalo is good enough uh, to, to warrant those odds basically against anybody. Um, the Seattle Kraken have taken money, and I think that, that's offered a good opportunity to go the other way with the Red Wings. Um, they're plus 120 right now. Um, and I think that there's just not that big of a gap between these two teams. And I'll probably play the Senators uh, against my better judgment uh, in the 7 p.m. puck drop against the Lightning as, a, as an underdog. So those are the three that uh, I'm looking at. Nice. Always good stuff. It's Michael Leboff from uh, NHL uh, Analyst for the Action Network. You can hit him up on X at the Big Lee, L-E-E, Bowski. Thanks for hanging out with us, my brother. You got it. Good luck tonight. Thank you, guys. Yeah, man. I tell you what, NHL's uh, been getting a lot of pub. I mean, again, I'm I'm still – I'm not the biggest hockey guy. I'll be the first one to admit it, but to see – 80,000, you know, 70,000 back-to-back days uh, over there for hockey. For those who enjoy the the frozen stuff, it's got to be a, a good stuff. And it's going to get good. It's going to get good stuff. You know, the Panthers down here in Miami, it's going to be a good race. Let's take a break. We'll wrap this thing up. Lightning bets. Who do we like tonight? With Mark, I'm Jim. It's BetQL Daily presented by BetMG. Good times, good times. Uh, put a bow on this edition of BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM with Mark Drumheller. I'm Jim Rodriguez. Uh, we'll be here tomorrow, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern, uh, taking you with all the wager team and stuff as we get ready for some good times. Uh, Aaron and Joe are off this week. Super Bowl hangover, Super Bowl vacation, 
well-deserved. And a reminder, speaking of all the good stuff, Sunday Bets live from the BetMGM Washington, D.C. studio. BetQL host P.J. Glasser, who's just on us on the show here, with Denton Day from the Team 980 uh, WTEMAM deliver top live betting strategies and reactions. You can dive into the week's matchups and maximize your returns with their expert insights. Get ahead in the world of wagertainment with Sunday Bets, your ultimate playbook, Sunday Bets, noon to 4 Eastern. I know Mark's going to be listening. I know I'm going to be listening and watching, so get on that. Always good to start the week off right. And Mark, uh, did did the week, we're starting the week here on BetQL Daily. Did it end well for you? Did you have, UFC was this past weekend, UFC 298. Alexander the Great was not so much. Spain has a world champion, Ilya Tupuria, knocked out our boy second round, my friend. So much for my uh, Alexander the Great on points. Yeah, I, I was on Tupuria, so I was very happy. We gave that one out on You Better You Bet Friday. Uh, and I just think it's, you know, MMA is unique in the way that you see these guys, you know, every six months, every four months, you know, maybe once a year. So a lot of it is projection. And when you have fighters, you know, you have a young up and coming fighter that's undefeated that, you know, you're projecting, you know, the leaps he makes in his next fight. And also the other side of the coin is even the greatest fighters, you know, can't run from father time forever. Volkanovski has been a little bit of an outlier in that situation. Uh, Featherweight title fights. Going into that, we're, we're 15 and 6 in favor of the, the younger fighter. But Volkanowski accounted for five of the six times that they didn't win, right? So um, you're wondering just how long he could defy the odds there. But I just thought it was a bad matchup, Jim. Like, coming off a knockout loss, getting right back in there in four months, three to four months against a guy like Deporia who has fast hands, big power. I just thought Volkanowski was biting off a little bit more than he can chew. And I'll tell you, I want to get your take on this. I am not comfortable that he's like, I want the rematch. I want it right away. I would like Volkanowski coming off two knockouts, right? One of them was a lightweight, but two knockouts are two knockouts. Take some time off, my friend. Yeah, I mean, the 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 one thing when we when we set up the fight on Friday here on BetQL Daily, uh, it was like, well, Volkanovski got knocked out, but he he moved up in weight, and it was like a flash mm-hmm. knockout early in the fight, first round knockout against Makachev, and it was ah, you know, but again, the thing that got me, and I and I and I didn't trust myself was it had only been four months, and he was back in the ring at his normal, right. uh, you know. I mean, he's one of the great featherweights of all time, despite finally losing. He was 12-0, and 0, Volkanovski was as a featherweight. But yeah, father time is undefeated. I think, you know, it's one of those, do we really need to see a rematch? Is it what... What more do we need to see? I, I think that era is gone. And, and what got me, got my juices flowing, and I would probably did you, Volk, uh, Tupuria wants McGregor in Madrid yes. at Real Madrid's football stadium. You know, the UFC's talked about going there. Volk, you know, Tapuria against McGregor in Madrid. Oh, my gosh. But Dana White said something very interesting when they asked him about McGregor. They said, yeah, you know, what's, what's been the hang-up? And Dana White and his inimitable self said, McGregor's rich. What can I offer him to get him back? <laughs> he's rich. He's, he's got a movie coming out. What, what, what can I offer him? <laughs> you know what I mean? Listen, the guy, so, he's got his Lamborghini yacht out there. He's, you know, he's he's having a good time. He's got Roadhouse coming out. Like, 
not too many bad days, you know, and to want to get into the cage. And it's not just getting in there and fighting. Like, these guys go through grueling camps and preparation. And if you're a guy like Conor McGregor coming off that type of injury who's been inactive for so long, you want a full camp. Like, you have to make sure that all these other distractions and things are out of the way so you can really tunnel in um, because it's going to be tough for him coming back. Like, I mean, I think he's over 35 himself now, which seems like his whole career is flashed before our eyes and he's been inactive for so long so um that's all a concern you know when you look at mcgregor coming back i would love to see it but i think taporia probably gonna have to fight someone else but if i was volkanowski let taporia fight someone else come back this time next year or maybe at the end of the year show take like close to 12 months off to recover from these knockouts and then get your rematch you're going to get your rematch when you want it there's no reason to rush back in there in another four or five months yeah, think about Volkanovski. If he's not training, if he's not fighting, he's going nuts. So that that that'll be that'll be uh, interesting to see how he does there. Hey, tomorrow yeah. you and I are back here tomorrow. We can break down some UFC heading to Mexico City this weekend. So we'll mm-hmm. we'll we'll get into some of those good brawls that are happening in the octagon. All right, lightning bets. Let's start it off, Mark. I I give the floor to you, my brother. All right, I'm going to start in the NHL. I got a couple NHL plays, and then we're going to do some college basketball. NHL Edmonton Oilers facing Arizona. The Coyotes have been a mess lately. Coming off a loss last night to Colorado, we cashed on that one. I'm going to take Edmonton team total over four, minus 110. Then we're going to go to Tampa Bay and Ottawa. Um, In this one, I like Tampa Bay on the the three-way money line, the win in regulation, minus 105. And I like Kucherov over three and a half shots on goals. That one's a little pricey, minus 150, but like both those plays. And then our final NHL play is going to be the Canucks in the Wild. I like the Wild team total under, minus 115. Um, They've only scored more than three goals in one of their last seven games. Vancouver, very tough defensive team. And in college basketball, I'm going to tail our guy pj and we're gonna play under 128 and a half in that houston iowa state game i'll probably have a little bit on the houston team total under as well but not out yet on bet mgm but you can still get the full game under which i think is a solid play yeah i'll tell you what just an fyi it is a holiday today lots of afternoon hockey so just make sure when you see those games uh you know you you get after it because there are some early starts you know pretty much when we're done hockey's gonna kick underway so my bets one of those early games 1 p.m start over in boston great matchup right the stars and the bruins and i'm gonna go over six goals in that game lots of goals the stars average almost four goals a game and boston gets about just over three so i think we're gonna see goals of plenty and that's so let's go over six a four o'clock eastern start kind of what you had going on the oilers in the desert in phoenix actually in the what in, in the college dormitories taking on the <laughs> arizona coyotes what they got they, they set up a, a like a tent outside of the arena and and that's where they change because there's no locker room facilities the, the arizona coyotes playing on campus at arizona state because they don't have an arena i'll take the oilers puck line in that oilers are really good Coyotes are terrible, so I'll take Oilers puck line there. And then tonight, Carolina puck line, but the puck line's minus two and a half. Plump, I know, but they're playing a terrible Blackhawks team at home. That's at plus money. And I'm going to go a little college basketball. I'm going to go against my guy, PJ. Listen, I took Virginia and Tony Bennett to win the ACC regular season. So I got to say, they got to win tonight. If, if they're going to do this, I got I to back my bet. So Virginia plus three and, a, three and a half on the road. I'll take uh, Virginia plus three and a five three and a half at home Blah. Virginia plus three and a five on the road at Virginia tech. 
clearly it's going to win because I can't even say it. So hopefully I got the bet in, but Virginia plus three and a half at Virginia Tech. I'm going to go with that. Jake, my brother, what do you got? Yeah, a couple things. Uh, first, a college baseball game uh, that starts in like an hour or so. Uh, James Madison and a rubber match against Arkansas. James Madison won yesterday. Arkansas is the second ranked team in the country. I'm going to take James Madison on the run line plus the four and a half runs. I think they can keep it close. Arkansas coming off the loss yesterday. I think they're just trying to get out of Dodge and get out of here with a win. I don't think they're going to try and curb stop JMU here. And I think JMU is going to play a scrappy game and try to keep it close and maybe try to win again and prove that they're a team that is to be reckoned with. So that's going to be my one game that I'm going to play today. And then a future that I want to add for college baseball. I'm going to play Duke 70 to one. They really impressed me this weekend. They killed coastal Carolina who I still like the shots did not show up this weekend. Hate that for us, but I like Duke. They have an ace. Jonathan Santucci was awesome on Friday. He showed me a lot after he dealt with injury last year. And this offense looks like something that could be a problem. That was one of my questions for them. So Duke really impressed me this weekend. I'm going to add them 70 to one to the college baseball portfolio. I will say this, uh, Jake, since I live in Miami and of course we are the prisoners of the moment, the Miami hurricanes baseball team destroyed the New Jersey Institute of Technology. Where is your Hurricanes futures, my friend? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait one more week and then wait <laughs> if I can see it against uh, you know t- teams that are don't have guys like me on the team. You can get uh, a real good price on New Jersey Institute of Technology in the futures market coming <laughs> off that loss. Watch yeah, out. I'm waiting for that yeah. to get listed. I, I think Our Lady of Perpetual Motion is next on the Miami Hurricanes uh, <laughs> schedule, so I, I, I'm not sure though, but. Whew, I, I tell you, they are excited out here. I mean, but it just shows you how how, how interesting of a sports town uh, it is here in South Florida. Yeah, I got baseball starting up again. Spring training starts on Thursday. Big week coming up here on BetQL Daily. So hope everyone joins us there. And Mark, I guess before we go, uh, you know, we're putting a bow on this. We're going to be breaking down divisions in the NBA. We did the Central tomorrow, and we started the show asking what the hell's going on with the NBA and the All-Star game? I, I was moved by a, a quote that LeBron gave where they asked him about it, and he says, yeah, yeah, we should do something about it. Well, you can do something about it. You're a player. You go play some defense. What, what's, what's happening here? But the one thing I wanted to get to you is this. LeBron James, he said he was 50-50 on a sort of farewell tour. Huh? LeBron, 50-50 on a, on a farewell tour? Come on. They've already, they'll start a 365 day uh, documentary. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think there's going to be a farewell tour. You know how LeBron do it. He'll do it big. Um, But he's just, I think he's just playing it up for the cameras, but we, we know LeBron and we know how how that's going to end up. Yeah. I I can, I can imagine like, I, I I literally burst out laughing when he was like, well, you know, no self-awareness out of LeBron. 50 because you know lebron likes to do things in the shadows quiet you know not not gonna be come on my man again literally i think they would plan a 365 part documentary uh, on lebron james and you know he's worth it listen great hanging out with you mark let's do it again tomorrow 9 a.m to noon right here it's betql daily presented by betmgm lots of good stuff don't touch dial keep watching us we will see you tomorrow for mark j-rod jake brian and everybody we'll see you tomorrow